founder and CEO of Man of War, Rafa Conde. Flex Wheeler, welcome to the Man of War podcast, brother. It is an honor to have you on. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here, brother. Congratulations awesome, to the podcast. I'm, uh, I'm envious because I, uh, I've been talking about starting a podcast for like the last year now, and I just haven't got to do it. Budget to it man. You got to do it. You got to do it without a doubt, man, especially with your message. It'll resonate with a lot of people. So, um, so before we get started, I, for our audience, maybe someone that doesn't know you've been living under a rock or something, can you introduce yourself a little bit? My name is Kenneth Martin Wheeler. That's uh, my, my legal name. My professional name is Flex Wheeler. I'm an old bastard. Um, God willing, I'll be uh, 58 uh, next uh, uh, Thursday. Um, born and raised in Fresno, California. Um, you know, went to a school there, Edison High School. I graduated. Uh, didn't go into college. I went into police academy. Um, was a sheriff officer there in Fresno, California. Started actually uh, fighting in uh, martial arts back when I was seven years old. Um, I love fighting. Um, there's absolutely uh, no better sport to me than uh, fighting. It's just that that amazing uh, adrenaline you get when uh, somebody touches you or you touch them. Um, and uh, believe it or not, I'm actually probably was ten times better as a fighter than I ever was as a pro bodybuilder. And damn, even my training saying a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah saying a lot. Even my uh, my my mentor and who I owe everything to Tyrell McGuire, uh, my sensei. Even he went on camera and said, you guys think he was great as a bodybuilder? You know, he was 10 times better as a fighter. So I love the sport of uh, working out. Started working out when I was about nine years old. Graduated out of high school. I'm, I'm the true 98-pound weakling. Um, I was about 98 pounds, soaking wet. And uh, my nickname was Skinny Kenny back then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then um it's just very derogatory you know we were really mm-hmm. harsh on each other back then and then when i start working out you know i had a a little man's complex so i used to walk around like i'm a big guy and like people would like okay you know why are you always flexing i'm like oh, why, why, why are you always flexing and he kind of just cut it short after a while it comes flex again you know when i went on stage uh was i was about 13 years old and they start calling me Flex Wheeler, and I've kind of been running with it ever since. Um, Beautiful. Retired when I was 80 uh, back in uh, 2003 due to some health problems. Um, I have a rare kidney disease. I had a kidney transplant in 2003. Uh, that's why my career ended in bodybuilding. I lost my leg about two years ago to a blood clot. Still kicking like Cato, man. What are you going to do? Even if it's raining outside, you got to go out and get it done. So. I'm proud of you, man. That's a warrior mindset without a doubt. So, you Thank know, you. we need, we need more warriors in our society without a doubt. Especially nowadays. You're not kidding about <laughs> that. We're living in some pretty crazy times. I read somewhere that you were, you were training in Kempo at the beginning uh, with fighting. And uh, mm-hmm. when I was uh, nine years old, started off in Shorinru. Uh, then I went to uh, Shotokan, came back to uh, Shorinru, uh, then went to Taekwondo. Uh, Hapkido Karate, Chinese Kung Fu, came back to uh, Taekwondo, and then who now I, I give credit for my entire fighting ability and my mindset that I was able to use uh, mm-hmm. in bodybuilding. Met Tyrell McGuire, who is a, was at that time uh, a fifth on in uh, Taekwondo, and his business partner was a sixth on in Kempo, and they formed together uh, this alliance called Kempondo. So obviously everybody knows Kempo was very great, close to combat, uh, hands, elbows, stuff like that. But um, 
respectfully very weak uh, when it comes to uh, your leg ability. Obviously, uh, Taekwondo is beautiful at that, um, great aerial kicks, but it's not really combat oriented. And if, if you break their barrier uh, as far as their legs, uh, hands are not the most uh, powerful and, uh, and things. Yeah. So they just took the best of both worlds, uh, just the best of the, the hands and the best of the feet and form. Kim Kwando, and I have my uh, second degree in Kim Kwando. You know, so, so let's talk a little bit about that. Let's stay in the martial arts because I'm a big martial yeah. artist, been training for, for a very beautiful. long time. And uh, nowadays, everything is MMA. Like the young guys have no idea about traditional <laughs> martial arts, man. You know, yeah. when you say Shotokan or Shorin Ryo or, or, you know, Chinese Kung Fu or anything like that, they're, they're, they're lost. Yeah. I, came, I came up very traditional like yourself. You know, I came up in Chinese Kung Fu and Aikido. And I think this is, this is my point of view. I don't know if you would agree here, but the essence of the traditional martial art where you would actually go learn it, study it, manifest the mindset very deep is is pretty pretty much dead in many places nowadays everything is mma go mix all the martial arts and go to the ring what are your thoughts on that first and foremost whatever advances uh, the sport uh, martial arts uh, in any uh, discipline right i'm for it i think you're very right uh, when it comes to just the pure art itself uh, it's kind of died out and now it's all mma i do agree with that as far as like uh when it comes to true fighting um because all the uh the different disciplines have their weaknesses i would probably uh dedicate um uh, tie boxing as probably one of the most complete fighting arts that you can take a yellow belt and tie tie box yes. and put him free he probably handled anyone who walked up on him but yeah i mean just to me and you talking, no disrespect to anyone else and with their beliefs. You asked me a question, so I'm going to answer it. I think that beauty and that love is gone. Just the tradition that you have, getting high-ranking belts, uh, uh, just the mental part of it is so much deeper. The mindset of it is gone. And also, I think even before uh, MMA became powerful, because of movies and all of that, uh, all these mm -hmm. dojos start popping up in you're getting these guys who are, you know, freaking three years old with a second degree black belt. I just, <laughs> it became a business where yeah. people would, the kids would leave because they didn't get the belt that they wanted. Yeah. And that kind of, I think, softened the sport also. Uh, Tyra McGuire, who I dedicate everything to, he literally held me back as a brown belt for uh, probably like five years. Oh, but, man. Uh, before he even gave me my brown belt, he held me back as a green belt for three years. So he would, literally make me walk in with my green belt on put on a brown belt and fight in a brown belt division and then accept my award and put my green belt belt, uh, belt back wow. on and walk <laughs> i love and that I would, that is old school man <laughs> i know and i would be so angry and then when i tried uh, out for my uh, my black belt at the time i was very very immature even in my 19 20 21 I had a lot of uh, issues as a child that kind of helped me back uh with uh, developing and stuff like that. So I, uh, I had so much respect for him that when I tried out for my black belt, I didn't think I did well enough. Now, later on, I found out that I passed, but because I was so upset afterwards, I put on my clothes, I got out, and I just walked out of the dojo. I didn't get my black belt. He said, because you're not ready here yet. Mm. Everything else is ready. We trained a lot of the military and Fresno PD. And he would literally make me put on uh, uh, no belt at all. And I would just run through all the black belts, all these wow. sergeants and third degrees, you know, mm -hmm. with all, you know, belt don't even have no color on it anymore. Yeah. 
And they would always ask me what my belt is, and he would never allow me to tell him. And I would always like, why, why are you holding me back? I mean, look at these guys. He goes, that's the reason why, you know, I want you to be a true black belt in the S. And so he literally didn't give me my black belt until I went back to one of his tournaments after I won the USA championship. Wow. So, powerful, man. Powerful. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's just gone. <clears throat> it's different. But I think also, um, if you look at like the UFC, some of the greatest fighters, UFC and also Friday Combat, right? And some of the other organizations, you look at the true uh, like point fighters, the true martial artists, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're killing it. I know Wonder Boy very well. Uh, Raymond Daniels fought underneath me before wow. he was even yep. a green belt. I was a uh, brown belt and black belt fighting. I used to watch Raymond Daniels fight as a point karate fighter. And then I went to his very first full contact fight. So look at him now, you know, just running through everybody. And, you know, obviously uh, the Wonder Boy took it to the UFC and he's just an amazing fighter. So sure, yep. when you have that, especially distance, I love kicking, right? I just thought it was something so amazing to be able to take your leg and launch it at an opponent and touch them with it or blow them out of the, uh, you know, out of the ring. And they can't even, like, their brain don't even recognize fast enough what's happening. I have all these super rates and we used to slow them down. I would launch attack and my foot would be about this far away and you can see the guy's eyes probably go like that. It's, it's yeah. too late. <laughs> even in MMA, it's, uh, and, and even in point fighting, it's about distance, right? It's not allowing that person to pierce your, your barrier of your comfortability. Sure, sure. And for me, that was my legs. I, that's my long race fighting. So I think um, a lot of the guys who come from that, even, um, gosh, what's his name from Brazil? Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, Yoshi. Yeah, also, Yoshi. Yes. Yeah, yeah, was yeah. also karate guy. Not, karate, yeah. And he yes. did incredibly well. So it's that distance. In a way, we kick. We don't change our, our weight distribution. You know, when we're fighting, we don't lean back to kick. We just launch the kick. I just love the sport. I love the sport of fighting. Fighting is different than, I think, martial arts. Fighting, it doesn't matter. Um, maybe you're a guy who can take a lot of punishment, and then you can then throw some, and that person can't handle your punishment. You can be in an MMA and do well in that. And point karate or two karate, or even back in PKA, Oh, That's those days. Before. I remember those days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I almost went to PKA before I got into uh, bodybuilding because uh, Bill Superfoot was a good friend of mine. Chuck Norris used to fight one of my old instructors, Robert Holliburton. Uh, I got Russell so uh, that I trained wow. uh, Shotokan under. And he uh, got his life up from Funakistani. Um, uh, over in uh, uh, Japan. So, but yeah, man, like Benny Urquidez. Uh, Benny Urquidez. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Benny, good God. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And his brother, uh, Binky, yeah, Benny yeah. went all over the world and just ran through people. Yes, he you did. <laughs> dude, that that dude just... had a great, great kicking, man. He he was an amazing kicker, yeah. Amazing kicker. Uh, his uh, We call it the blitz back then. His yeah. blitz was just ridiculous. Yeah, uh-huh. I just, man, that was, yeah, I mean, don't get me started on karate. <laughs> or That's that, awesome. Bro. So let, let's switch gears. At what point did you, did you switch gear, right? Like all of a sudden you, you know, you were martial arts and, and, you know, you were a young man coming up. At what point did you say, you know what, I want to start now bodybuilding and seeing where I can get in competition because um, I, that, that's a, that's a huge shift from one to another. It is, but um, it wasn't really for me because I started weight training when I was about 12 years old. So I was already into martial arts from being nine years old. And I did them both throughout the entire essence of me fighting. And uh, even at the high level when I was fighting, I would work out first 
because my, my martial arts class wasn't until uh, seven o'clock at night. So I mm-hmm. go in the gym and train and my dojo was actually inside a gym. So I would go in and train, then walk right over to the dojo and I would uh, then uh, train in martial arts. So I think what really helped is I never lost my flexibility. So I didn't like go out and just obesity work out with weights and then try to fight because then I'm going to lose my flexibility. So I think because for over a decade, I did both of them simultaneously, but I didn't actually make that decision. Uh, like I said, Tyrone McGuire made that decision for me. I had won, I went, won the uh, California championship in uh, 1989, that Saturday. And then I came back to Fresno and I fought in the California championship in martial arts and I won the grand champion in that. And it was a time where I was just really broke. I was working as a freaking rent-a-cop, which is kind of sad because I'd already had went through police academy and all that. You know, I'm like, which do I do? And he goes, well, I think I think you just take this bodybuilding thing more serious. I'm like, you know, how could you say that? You know, I thought you said I was a great fighter because you're one of the best fighters I've ever seen in my life. And he's always very philosophical with me. He would never answer a question directly. You know, some, some real karate kid type stuff. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, Flex, you do the one that chose you. I go, well, how do I know which one chose you? And he goes, Bodybuilding shows you because back then, um, if you went into a movie uh, and you are a martial artist, you did a bunch of flamboyant kicks, and the star of the movie knocks you out with a, a freaking override haymaker, which was so disgusting, uh, embarrassing to us two fighters because that would never sure. work. I, sure. I'd break your ribs before you even launch mm-hmm. that old yeah. man kick, you know what I mean? Uh, at that time, it was money in the bodybuilding, so he goes, Bodybuilding shows you, you can make your money at that. Uh, and that's why I, I chose bodybuilding. I never looked back after that. But I did continue fighting all the way up until um, after I won the uh, uh, Mr. USA. I continued uh, fighting. Uh, and I continued training pretty much my whole uh, bodybuilding career also. Hence the reason of being able to do the splits on stage and all that stuff. Even at like my, my heaviest, 298 pounds yeah. uh, was my heaviest. I could still take my leg and just stab it straight in the air. Uh, like that. I went out for a whole bunch of movies back t- back then, and they just like, but yeah. I was dyslexic, and I couldn't read well, but they went absolutely bonkers over. I mean, I could do every kick you can imagine, you know, axe kick, jump axe kick, jump spinning axe kick. Did did you have to maintain a flexibility schedule? I mean, in other words, did you stretch out often? No, not at all. So once I, I fully got into bodybuilding, I mean, I guess from, you know, like the age of nine all the way up until whatever, my late 20s of just always, you know, stretching, it didn't yeah. leave. And uh, I would just kind of do just like the hurdle stands just a little bit. Uh, I never practiced like doing the splits. Even when I would do my routine, I would say, okay, now I'd be going down in the splits and I would count about how long it takes to do that. And most of the time I would say to myself, because my routines on stage were always improv, I always knew what my, my best poses were. I knew what my transitions were. Um, I always train uh, in a gym. I go in and practice like two, three hours of posing about five weeks out from a show. I knew what everything was. I had this move that I would spin and I'd always do the splits. And every time I spun, I would start opening my legs like, God dang it, I didn't mean to do that. And I would just like pray and I would just relax. And just that's why I was always really slow. I was like, is it going to happen? Hey, it's happening. All right, yeah, I'm in there. You know, so. <laughs> But um, no, it's nothing that I stretch, and I didn't stretch uh, any more than that. So now I'm just as stiff as a board. So take me into your bodybuilding career. All right, now I mean, you know, you were definitely one of the top bodybuilders. Um, so 
you know, talk to me a little bit about, you know, you, you made the commitment and now what was it? Did you have a set goal? Uh, was it to go out there and, and compete on the stage in Mr. Olympia? I mean, talk to me about that. Yeah, this is really going to bust everybody's bubble. I was just broke. I was broke. Um, I knew I could make money guest posing. I didn't have anything else going for me. So, you know, I think from my, my martial arts background and, and just how I'm hardwired, I don't know any other way but going hard. That's a, a plus now with all the problems that I've had, you know, health-wise. I just don't know how to stop. I just keep pushing. So it's all I had. I had no plan B. So I ran hard with plan A. Training at Goes Gym Venice, you, you hear about shows and all the guys are in there competing. So, you know, I heard about the Junior USA. I had no game plan. Uh, you know, I was working at a, as a bouncer at uh, Roxbury, uh, which was a famous nightclub uh, in L.A. at the time. Um, I, I had no plans. It was just try to get better. And then when I turned pro and I got a contract with Weeder, I, I understood the better I did on stage, the better I would uh, do as far as contractual and, all, and also prize money. So that then, you know, pretty much fueled me, train harder, train better and win shows and make money and pay your bills and take care of your family. That was purely my goal. Um, probably towards the last three years, I started taking the Olympia more serious and try to obtain that title. I understood that if I had the Olympia title, that probably would entitle me to make even more money. I honestly really didn't care about the title um, itself, except what it could bring me. I just, when I was younger and I didn't make money, uh, it was a sport. Uh, when it became that I was making a living and paying my bills, it was a business. If Ronnie wasn't there, I went because I knew I was pretty much guaranteed to take first place. If it was a show where Ronnie was going in, I would look at with second prize, like, okay, you know, let me try to, you know, let me go at him. But at the very minimum, let me hold second down. Now, you 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 attended, how many Olympians did you, did you actually um, compete in? Not many. Let me see, 93. Um, 95, 96, 97. Well, that's a lot. No, I think I missed, I missed 97, 98. Not many. I think maybe like six or seven. It's, uh, I missed quite a few uh, due to different things that was going on. Placing second three times was the highest I, I got. That's a major accomplishment. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, again, it was just about money. Um, you know, nobody... Nobody competes to be the bridesmaid, but, you know, I, um, I understood the business. Um, I understood that it's not always how good you are on stage. A lot of other things come into play. And, um, you know, once Ronnie finally won, uh, you know, I understood that um, if he's running full speed, especially after my car accident and missing 94, uh, you know, not being able to, to train because I broke C5 and C6 and 94 in a car accident, Damn. I'm like, um, you know, how do you, how do you catch someone who's been running full speed for a year? That was like my mind frame, you know, yeah. literally if he's running full speed, you know, for an entire year. And I have a setback that shuts me down. How do I, how do I catch these guys? So, sure. you know, in, sure. uh, in 95, when I went to the Olympia, uh, I think, no, it was 94. When I went to the Olympia just to watch, I was like, I'm done but it's not going to be because of lack of trying. So I just went back in the mm -hmm. gym and I just gave it everything I got. It's like, Hey, listen, I don't really believe that I'm going to do well, but it ain't going to be because I didn't try it and give it everything I had. Run me through you getting ready for one of these, you know, large, you know, important contests. I mean, I, I'm always interested in the mindset 
of getting prepared and peaking at the right time. You know, your discipline, you know, your protein into your, do you think the science was as good as it, as it, as it is today or, or. Um, I think the science is better. I think the work ethics is less. Um, hmm. I think because of technology, um, equipment, supplementation, people uh, can take an easier route uh, to achieve their goal. I think we literally worked harder back then because we had less options. And also we had less interference. So there was no internet and stuff like that. But yeah, I, my, my mentality back then, it, it was fairly easy. I was very mechanical. Uh, I would just like shut my brain off and just, just do my job. I remember even uh, when I was training with uh, Tyrell, you know, he'd be training me and um, I would just be so either angry or pissed off because of what I had to do. And I just always had the ability to say, just shut up and do it. You know, don't, don't look at him, you know, because if I glance and I look at him, he's going to be able to read in my eyes what I'm thinking. So I would just keep my head down and like, just, and just tell myself, shut up and do it. And I said that same mentality in training and I just would mechanically just stay locked in. So it was, it was really easy and it was normal. Uh, it was, it was very different back then because with, uh, with my training partners, Chris career, uh, Kamira and Rico McClinton, it was like our, it was our lifestyle. We ate, slept and trained, um, bodybuilding. Uh, we hung around with each other all the time. So either we were eating, uh, they were playing video games or we in a, were in a gym. There was no like, going out, hanging out that much partying or anything like that. So it was so normal. I mean, I, I, I remember just like training and giving it my all and then driving home and being so angry. Like, how do I outdo that workout? How do I outdo that one? And I would go to sleep mad and just angry. Like, how do I come up with more energy to outdo that? And then when I wake up, I'm like, God dang it. I can't wait to get in there. And it was just, I was just so freaking amped just to get it in, just like fighting. You know, if, if I had an opponent who actually touched my face, I'd be like, I'd stop and I'd run up to him and give him a hug. Like, yes, let's go. You know, let's go. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> you know, man. Let me give you a it little got, bit more. Of that. It, got, it got you fired up, huh? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it was the same thing about that. So it wasn't like, oh, I yeah. got to go to the gym. It's like, I can't wait to get to the gym. Who were your mentors back then? I know that uh, you and Arnold, I mean, it's certainly, you know, you've won, I think you just won an award recently a couple of years ago. Um, right? Yeah, I was blessed to uh, get a Lifetime Achievement Award from Arnold this year, uh, one from the Olympia last year, two years before that, one from the uh, IFBB Federation. And then um, about 10 years ago, Dexter gave me one. So I got, yeah, four of our Lifetime Achievement Awards. But um, no, I mean, um, I, I can't say like me and Arnold were boys and knew each other's number. Uh, but after winning the show a couple of times, he was obviously, he was extremely uh, kind to me. If I ever seen him anywhere in public, he would just, if he seen me, he'd change directions and come over and give me a hug. And, you know, when I uh, was competing in his show, he would, you know, write me letters about what he thought about me. I had a book that was written about my life and uh, he actually gave a quote to go on uh, the front of it. So, um, but my, my mentors, uh, you know, I didn't, I could look at anyone and, and find uh, something within that, that drove me because um, I always had a mentality. I, could, I can learn from a three-year-old, you know, I could look at a three-year-old and learn. So if I walked in a gym and see it was some skinny kid who didn't really look, you know, great, but he was just getting it. That would amp me. I'm like, look at him, get it. Let me get it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, it didn't matter. I would be, just be able to look at look at somebody, even if I didn't like them, like, wow, they, their physique look great. Let me work hard. Or, 
you know, somebody was competing and they did well, like, wow, let me work hard. I want to compete or if they're generating money. So any of those things helped me to say, okay, let me go. Let me get at it. You know? Um, and it didn't matter, you know, um, back then it was just so incredible in Gold's gym, you would have, you know, freaking the Lakers walk through, you know, you would have the bulls and Michael walk through, you'd have, you know, just all that. And then later on, Kobe was training there and we would talk and hang out and exchange shoes and shirts and stuff. So, wow. you know, every, every top list, a actor, uh, was in there. Um, uh, Mickey work, who's still a good friend of mine was in there all the time. So, you just had people in there that was about it. You know, there was about handling their business. You know, Florence Griffith Joyner, you know, was training there. Just, just, you just, Jesus Christ. It's like back then you didn't walk into that gym and bang, you know, that was not a place you go to talk and hang out. You would have anyone, you know, walk up and, you know, what we called it back then, check your skirt. You know what I mean? Uh, um, you know, if you were just sitting on a bench or something that's running your mouth, you'd have somebody walk up and, and holler at you about it until you might want to get out of here. You know what I mean? So it was just about handling it, but it wasn't a, it wasn't an intimidating factor. You didn't walk in and feel intimidated, but you just feel amped. You know, you walk around and see these people are like getting you, you just feel amped and just want to be a part of that. Amazing, man. Those, those were good old days, man. You know, it's, uh, yeah. you know, that gold's gym in that area. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, that's just everybody where... call weathers. Yeah, You know, everybody was there training, you know, just whoever you idolized on TV or great Olympic or whatever, any prime athlete was there at one time or another. So it was just a place to be, you know, did you ever get a chance to meet like Frank Zane or, you know, Franco yeah, Colombo or. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Met him quite a few times. Um, yeah. Serge Olivia was uh, somebody who Olivia. I really wanted. Yep. Yep. Uh, Serge Obre uh, or Newbert would see him all the time in his gym, train with him a few times. All those guys, yep. man. Yeah, yeah. I got to yeah. meet all those guys. Wow, <laughs> those are paved yeah, pave makers, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those guys paved the way, without a doubt. So, so tell me, you know, when it came to competition day, and this is uh, separating like a champion, the first guy, first place guy, from a second or a third place guy. Because it's hard for, for the person that doesn't really, it's not a judge and it's not completely dialed into exactly what they're looking at. You know, what would separate, say, you from Ronnie Coleman in certain, and you know, when you're battling it off there? If I knew that answer, I would have changed it and won. I don't know. Um, you know, some of those I thought I won. Uh, some I knew I didn't. Uh, it's a very subjective sport, but... Do, do you go in there saying, well, maybe my glutes or my, or my calves are, are are a little bit weak or, you know, maybe my biceps or maybe I don't have enough, you know, uh, my fat is a little bit high or, you know. So I'm wondering, you know, when you go into a competition like this and you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you got, I'm sure, coaches and people that are looking and saying, kind of cross-checking you and seeing you, uh, you know, is it is it like when you said you felt like you you won – I mean, you, are you are you saying it from a perspective of you felt that your physique at that moment was better than his in your mind? Yeah. So I consider myself a master poser. One of the things that I hate uh, and, and I'm most upset about um, during that time, kind of Ronnie, Rich did a little bit. Uh, and there were some other people even before Rich who had striated glutes, but it wasn't a it wasn't a body part that was really focused on. You know, you look at all the old champions, you look at all the old uh, Olympias. Um, before Ronnie, 
none of them had striated glutes. Uh, none of them really had great hamstring separation. What I, what I get most pissed about is when I watch my posing, um, only a few times that I actually really uh, flex my glutes really hard or uh, my hamstrings really hard. Now, there's a, a video that's viral that Ronnie's going into his back shot. I'm getting ready to go back into mine. And I step back and I look back at, at his glutes, right? And of course, Ronnie knows that uh, he had the, the craziest glutes in the history of the sport. You know, he just grabbed them and just yanked them all the way up, you know, to a G-string. And at that moment, I was like, I'll be down. I screwed up, you know. For one, I just acknowledged his PowerPoint, and I don't have that PowerPoint. But other than Ronnie, um, it was really nobody else who had striated glutes, or if they did, I defeated them anyway because it was good enough. So my, my mentality was, um, yes, his hamstrings and glutes are better than mine. But my back is more strided than his. My waist is uh, is smaller than his. Uh, my legs, my my frontal quads are more strided, feathered, and my uh, separation goes all the way up throughout my hip flexor. Uh, my abs are better than his. My bicep peak is better than his. My flow is better than his. My V taper is better than his. And even out of Ronnie's mouth, uh, my physique overall was better than his. So I always said, yeah, he got me in two places. And he got me an overall size. Does that determine that he gets me in all places now? You know, it's like that old saying, uh, bodybuilders one from the back. I'm like, I always hated that because, for one, it was my weaker body part, meaning my hamstrings and glutes, not my back. Um, but I'm like, so what about from the side, from the front? Does does the rest come into play? Mm -hmm. Does 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 condition come into play? Does posing? Does does the persona that you project? Does any of that come into play? Do you think that bodybuilding has changed dynamically, you know, through the 70s and 80s, 90s, and then now where it is today? Um, you know, back in the older days, you know, when you were coming up and, and, and Arnold and there was symmetry and there was, you know, there was, I don't know how to explain it, but there was your body looked beautiful when it got to the point now where it's just everything is like a big lump. It's, it's not mm -hmm. aesthetically pleasing. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? So I think the judges can only judge what they see, right? Um, they can only judge based on the lineup that they have up there. Um, True. I think, I think the, the answer, the question you asked has been answered already uh, so many times where you see people constantly post older pictures of uh, people like myself or from my era and match it up against a current competitor and say, wow, they were better. So I think that's already answered. Uh, I don't think that's a good evolution of the sport. Uh, I think the sport should be better. I think the athletes should be better. You take a uh, Mercedes-Benz from 1989, and it ain't going to be able to get with a Mercedes-Benz from 2000, uh, 2023. And anyway, speed, looks, overall, nothing. Um, but again, that's not the judge's fault. That's the, uh, that's the criteria of the athletes. I think uh, there are some uh, athletes who still kind of carry that torch or try to. Um, but I think also uh, the sport goes in by rhythm. So you go back uh, in Frank Zane's day, it wasn't about mass. Uh, it was about lines and class and symmetry. And then uh, it ushered into like uh, the bigger guy started winning and it changed. So I think whoever the champion is defined the lineup. But what's really interesting mm. is sometimes mm -hmm. you will have a complete different look come in and smash that that overall look. So 
Um, again, I think the judges are still judging, uh, but they can only judge what they're looking at, man. All right. Before I let you go, um, you have gone through a lot of obstacles and challenges in your life. And I mean, here you are, you know, still operating at high levels. What keeps you driven? I mean, what, what, what are you hungry for now? Um, I don't know. Um, you know, one, like I said, I, I just, uh, I've always been hardwired. Uh, you know, to try really hard. I know once I started uh, running into health problems, um, like in 2003, I had my kidney transplant and I had nine surgeries in 11 weeks that I almost died from. And uh, it was really difficult uh, uh, at that time because I still had a mentality of an athlete. I, I literally thought I'd be able to get a transplant and, and go back and get back on stage and start earning money. And uh, I remember after my, my ninth surgery, um, on 11th week, they're like, you know, it's not going to happen. That mentality of an athlete was beaten out of me um, so much by all the surgeries and, and just being in the hospital for damn near a year, uh, my mentality switched to like, I need to like fight to be here, uh, period. And um, all my energy just started transferred into that whole mentality of, yeah, let's get it in or let's fight. I'm like, I'm in a different fight uh, now. And uh, this one, I can't lose. What are you doing nowadays? You know, what is it that you're yeah. out there doing? So I have my training app, uh, Flexibility Coaching. Uh, mm -hmm. I have two different training apps. They're both on Apple and Android. I'm, I'm proud that I just released my new line, Flexibility uh, Nutrition. Uh, we nice. just released India. Uh, we're going to release it at the Dubai Muscle Show. Uh, at the end of uh, then in Europe and then next year also here in the United States. So I'm very excited about that. Um, I got a meeting and a couple of uh, hours about a new clothing line and coming out with a full-on clothing line, training beer and stuff like that. So what, what I'm just trying to do now, along with just being a, uh, a spokesperson for people who are limb loss uh, after losing my leg about almost three years ago, um, I'm just trying to just give back. And I just want to help people. I just, I, I really... I don't care about money anymore because I've, I've been a millionaire and it didn't make me happy. I was still suicidal. I, you know, I was suicidal from the age of, uh, I think the first time I tried to take my life, I was about uh, 13, uh, 14, 13, 12. And I literally tried to take my life all the way up until probably over a year ago. So just having that taken away from me, being an advocate for other people who are suicidal, uh, you know, talking about mental health because it's such a massive uh, situation especially men we don't talk about that and Ooh, even yes. more black men don't talk about that you're considered a p-u-s-s-y so hopefully people can see what i went through uh what empowers me and then say wow if he'd been through all that um i need to keep trying so that's i just want to motivate people i just want to give back we need some real warriors now not just men but men and women you know um this this is a, a time where i think you know People with mental fortitude and men with testicular fortitude need to stand up and protect the weak and the meek. Amazing. I mean, everything you said, I uh, I agree with. Um, and the fact that you're here, you're out, you know, you're you're doing, uh, you know, God's work. I really believe that you're and doing something. I, it's uh, 100%. Powerful, man. 
hundred percent. And uh, the the finalizer question, what empowers me? Him. So I was raised as a Baptist. Uh, always been in church. You know, obviously became a derelict and thought I could do everything on my own as an athlete. As me, me, me. Um, one of the best things that ever happened to me was my kidney transplant and losing my leg because it just brought me back closer to him and helped me to understand that it's him, him, him. Uh, to lose my leg, it enabled me to to talk. Now I'm being able to take my global name and be able to be a spokesperson for them, knowing what they go through. You know, we look at people with a limb loss. We, we kind of look at them and like, oh, I wonder what's their story as we're kind of glancing. You know, what's their story? How did that happen? How does, so I, I, I am that. So just all those things, at the end of the day, like I said, just taking these lemons because life will deal you lemons no matter what. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, let me ask you this. Where can people follow you? So my uh, my Instagram is official Flex Wheeler. Um, I'm in a, a billion cases right now where uh, Flex Wheeler is trademarked and also that iconic figure of mine is trademarked. So I'm in so many battles right now with people using my name. I know I... Um, I can't even give you my my uh, my Facebook uh, address because last I counted, it was over uh, 300 imposters. Uh, actually, I mean, literally using my pictures, pictures of my kids, wow. and all wow. this crap. So, but uh, you can find me at official Flex Wheeler, and you know, just be careful. Hopefully, it's the right one. You know, so yeah. Awesome, man. Well, listen, it was an honor to speak to you, an honor to have you on. I mean, in my opinion, you are a warrior. You're out there doing God's work. You're on a mission. um, And you carry this mindset with you where it's, you know, you're not going to give up. You're going to forge forward, you know, and and a lot of young men specifically and and ladies should, you know, watch this podcast, listen to it. You know, what uh, Flex said right now is something that we need desperately in our society we need great warriors thank you for being on brother i really appreciate you no the honor's all mine um the honor's all mine thank you so much for thinking i had something to offer uh, you know the end is a lot of people will say that uh, they'll meet someone that they empowered because uh, we have to look at a person and give them that power uh, we empower them but for me you know, just being this kid from the ghetto and, you know, being homeless, uh, being molested from the age of uh, five to 13, being dyslexic and all these negative things uh, to to be blessed uh, by uh, my father in heaven, that people just want my scribble of my name on a piece of paper or just to shake my jakey freaking hand or take a pitch with your sign, you know, or meet someone said, I named my dog Flex or man, I got my picture of you. And it's on my refrigerator and whatever I think about being weak, I look at you. Damn, that's awesome. Powerful. That's that's the blessing. So thank you. It's my honor. Wow, what a powerful conversation. If you love these type of podcasts, do me a favor. Smash that subscribe button. Turn on the notification bell. Share the hell out of this video. And more importantly, like it. Comment on it. So I know that you're getting something out of it. All right, if you've been living under a rock someplace, somehow and you're not familiar with one of the most powerful programs in the world right now, all about forging men into warriors, into stronger fathers, husbands, leaders, visionaries, men of action, I highly recommend that you go to manofwarcrucible.com. That's M-E-N of warcrucible.com and check out the program. It is a life-changing experience. Until next time, your life may be challenging and full of dangers, but never retreat. Your last battle... Boom, maybe your greatest victory.